powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please, everyone, sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks of BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a massive thank you to my last guest, Dick Weibrow. What a great guest with great insights into the literary world. If you have not heard our very in-depth interview, I strongly advise you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So welcome to episode 230, and we have an absolutely incredible episode lined up for you today. We have on the show Adeline Gray. Now, Adeline is an elite Olympic wrestler and one of the most ruthless competitors in the game today. She is a six-time world champion and a silver medalist at the Tokyo Olympics, along with countless other accolades, making her one of the most feared competitors in the sport. Adeline will be discussing her love for the sport, her intense training, competing at the highest level, and so much more. Tons to get into. So let's get her out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show six-time world champion and two-time Olympian, Adeline Gray. Adeline, good morning. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather out by you today? Wonderful. I'm out in Southern California, and I feel like it's been really nice to have a winter that's warm. Nice, nice. So with the pandemic now coming to an end, how was it for you to navigate the COVID-19 world? Uh, COVID was so hard. I think everyone had it tough and it just, uh, it was devastating for us to have the Olympics postponed and the uncertainty of whether or not it was going to happen. I mean, I know that we didn't have training facilities. We lost our location to live at the training center. I mean, I think there was just so many hurdles that we had to get over and, and figure out and, and learn to navigate in a, a, just a different situation, a different world. So I'm very happy that we are past a lot of those hurdles and and now kind of uh, in a better situation that we can have some consistency and get in a groove. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? I grew up in Denver, Colorado, born and raised. It was great. I think uh, there's a lot of appreciation for sport and and just a kind of active culture out in Colorado. And so it's really nice to have a, a community that, understood and valued athletics as much as my family did. And I think we just kind of embraced that. And now it's become my whole life. Okay. So at what point did you decide that wrestling was something that you had an interest in? I was six years old when I first got into wrestling. And so I think it started pretty early that it was just something fun to do and something that my dad could teach me and my cousins did. And so it felt like just something we were going to do on the weekends. And then 
I was in high school when I think I first had the realization that I was like, oh, wow, this really matters to me. This is something that I care about and something that I, I think I can be very good at. All right. And now you have a sister that also wrestles, correct? I do. I have three sisters. Um, they all tried wrestling, but one of them wrestled in high school. Uh, and then she uh, was a college wrestling coach. She ended up playing soccer in college, but uh, has kind of come back to the sport and now is a administrator and a coach and my training partner. And so she uh, definitely has played an active role in my career. Nice, nice. So how hard was it for you to learn the fundamentals of wrestling and how long did it take for you to start dominating the sport? That's a good question. So, I mean, I started wrestling when I was six years old. And so I think the, a lot of what you learn in that kid wrestling is just the basics and uh, they try to make it fun and have you be active and engage in games, but really you're just fine tuning and figuring out some of those just mainstays that you should know to be able to be great at wrestling. And so I uh, think I developed that over a number of years leading up to uh, getting into high school and, and more competitive wrestling. Um, but as far as figuring out how to dominate and, and be good at the sport, I mean, it's, it's an art and it takes time to build those skill sets and, and be able to craft what your wrestling style is going to be. And I I don't think I really started to craft and figure out what my style was going to be until middle of high school. And then I took a big jump, I think in the, probably the second world team I made, I started to realize where I was going to be great at wrestling. Okay. How'd you feel when you made team USA? It was a slower process than I I think I realized uh, because I was on a national team uh, when I was like 17 years old. And so I kind of realized that I was entering into this part of Team USA. And so the first time that I made my first senior world team, um, it was at a world weight and it was uh, a lot of pride. I remember the first box of gear that I got from USA Wrestling with my name on the back with a Team USA singlet. And there's a lot of joy and pride that comes with having your hard work and effort turn into being able to represent your country on a stage um, with United World Wrestling or the Olympic Committee. And it was it was very special to me. Um, And now I don't take that for granted, you know, and I put on that singlet. It's a very important thing that I enjoy wearing and it feels like my uniform. Hmm. Now, you had your first taste of Olympic competition in 2016. What was it like to get your foot in the door and experience that level of competition for the first time? 2012, I was an alternate and it was a drastic difference being an alternate versus actually on the team. So in 2016, going in as a favorite to win, um, went out there, got a pin, won at my, you know, won my first match at the Olympics and, and it was good. You know, I felt like I was definitely going to have some momentum that day. And then, uh, just, uh, finally get to be an Olympian is huge. I I think I spent a long time trying to justify what I was doing with my life and trying to explain to people what Team USA was, and they don't really get it until you say the word Olympian. And so I I earned that Olympic title, and you really don't get to call yourself an Olympian until you actually compete at the Olympic Games. And so um, to have that day happen and finally get to have that O word by my name was was very gratifying and very special and and just made it easier to explain to people why I'm still wrestling, like why I'm a 33-year-old woman who dedicates her whole life to uh, sport and and the craft of this uh, this martial art. Do you remember the opening uh, ceremony of those games? Yes. Uh, the closing ceremonies have a, a 
uh, definitely a, a bigger memory and a special place in my heart. The opening ceremonies, I kind of remember being like, this is a long line. <laughs> like, <laughs> I bet this is cool on TV. A kind of understanding why some people choose not to go. But the closing ceremonies has such a joyful experience where I was just elated to be part of this Olympic experience and had a very, very wonderful core memory created there. Hmm. Now, your resume reads as a what hasn't she done yet? Six-time world champion, nine-time world championship medalist, six-time U.S. national champion, four gold medals in the Pan American Games and championships, and you were undefeated in international competition from 2014 to 2016 to a point I read in a comment during this research that you were one of the most feared and respected competitors in the sport. Now, that's quite an accomplishment. I read that off to you. How does that make you feel? I think it, you know, really is gratifying to know that all of my hard work created that legacy resume that you just read and and that me just continuously showing up and, and giving the best version of myself over and over again turned into me winning and, and you know, winning medals. And my, my coach said that wrestling's not good to a lot of people and it's been really good to me. And so I am very thankful that uh, the timing worked out and there's been a lot of good moments um, that I've been able to win and in key key situations and key matches that turned into that resume. When opponents come up to you on the mat, I mean, do they have that moment of intimidation? Do you do you just inspire that level of of just just fear in an opponent? Um, I definitely practice uh, hesitation, is what I would call it, where people slap my hand and then they kind of jump back and and avoid the first couple contacts uh, to make sure that they don't lose control of the match right away. Um, and I think that just goes to show that there's a dominance and a fear, um, a healthy respect and fear that goes into what I'm capable of if I get my hands on you. That's amazing. I want to talk now about the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. First off, you know, what is it like to be chosen to re represent your country at the highest level of competition for that particular Olympics? It's amazing to make an Olympic team and especially a team USA Olympic team. I think, uh, a lot of people around the world look up to and, and admire the production and the the depth that truly happens for these athletes that get to walk around and be on Team USA. And to be part of that eliteness is is special. It's unique and it's uh, it's a privilege for sure. Um, and and making my second Olympic team was wonderful. You know, like I it was a dream and a goal, and it feels good to reach those dreams and goals. And I really felt like I. And the right person to be out on the mat representing my country at this heavyweight division. Hmm. Now, these Olympics were held during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. What was it like to compete with the COVID restrictions in place? It definitely provided some challenges and a lot of unknowns. I mean, I think there were still whispers about, you know, we might not get to wrestle next week because they're going to shut the country down again. Or I we're had daily testing where we would wake up in the morning and if someone was testing positive, you were going into quarantine and missing the travel to the next location. Um, we shut down an entire hotel for team USA and had us quarantined and we were separated from the town and had, you know, just daily yard time where we could go out and walk around and then come back in and kind of be quarantined to our rooms and, and just, be able to be in contact with the people that we could be in contact with. And, and there was a lot of missed opportunities that we had at the Olympics because we were in a big facility and next door you could hear judo or boxing going on and we couldn't go over and watch. We had the same restrictions. We had the same kind of 
structure, but we could hear their finals going on and we were at a break and we couldn't go over and enjoy sport. And I really felt sad for not only the athletes who didn't get to have us getting that energy because I was one of those athletes. I was in a final on one of the first days and didn't get to feel the energy from the room. And and I really had this expectation that I was going to be a favorite in Japan. I, I believe the Japanese people have some superstars, the lower weight classes, but their upper weights. Um, I think I was a fan favorite. And so I was looking forward to having that energy in the room come from the the local Japanese people and, and just uh, people cheering on great wrestling. And it, it didn't happen. And so I, I didn't think that that was going to be a huge factor in my life for that, for those matches, but they did they did matter. And I, I wish we would have had that. And I'm, I feel sad. And I feel like we missed out on a lot of things. We didn't get to go to opening or closing ceremonies. We just had a lot of hurdles that didn't feel like a full Olympics for 2020. Hmm. Now you won the silver medal in the final match to medal in the Olympics must bring you great pride and great determination to go back and go for the goal. What do you remember most about getting your medal? I was really happy to just have that medal around my neck. I think there was a relief and a satisfaction to get to a point where we could be like, yes, this is here. This this happened. We got through and we came home with hardware. And, and I think a lot of my teammates and I just had kind of that sigh of relief for that uh, culmination of just coming home with, with hardware. Okay. I've asked every professional athlete, gold medalists, champions who have come on my show this question. And if it's okay, I'd like to ask you the same question. Simone Biles made headlines when she refused to compete, citing mental health concerns. As a professional athlete who competes at the highest level, do you feel that there is not a spotlight on the mental well-being of a professional athlete? I think that's a challenging question because I do think the world is trying to do better with honoring the care you need to take with your mental health. And there's a certain level of, of grit and process that you kind of have to follow to uh, be able to do what we do. And, and that does take a toll on mental health sometimes. Um, and I think there's just a sliding scale to some extent where you have to, you know, push through. And then there's also moments where it does get dangerous. Cause if you're not on your game, I completely understand Simone taking a step and being like, I'm not safe. I'm not able to do the challenging things that I do because I don't have the focus and the attention to be able to, to healthily spin in the air and do those things. And I, and I get that, you know, if I'm not, if I'm trying to throw some, a, a person, a human being over my body, and I don't feel like I'm able to keep that focus and attention, I think it can be very dangerous for me and my opponent to, to be in that situation. And so if, uh, if you can check in with yourself and, and understand when that becomes dangerous, I believe that that is a, a, a great way to know that you need to take care of yourself. And, and uh, I do think that there's a lot of people who are trying to teach us that, but with the, with the body, when it breaks or there's a problem, there's a physical cue that you can see. And with the brain, it's very hard to know. It's kind of like concussions, you know, it's like, there's so much we don't know about it. And there's so much harm that can come when we don't take care of that situation. Fair enough. Okay, Duval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Adeline Gray. Mitch, as you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths, you know that's right, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Pay attention to a few friends of my show and we will be right back. 
Hello Duval Nation, Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek DeBall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. Hey, it's Michelle Fabre, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can hear my brand new single, I'm All That I Need, on all streaming platforms right now. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. This is Benjamin Sledge, author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. You can purchase Work Hours Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Hi, this is Glenn. And this is Sonia from Echo Valley. And you are listening to The Derek Duval Show. Here's a song called Faces in the Mirror from our album Anarchy and Alchemy.
Sergio, arriving. Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 230 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with six-time world champion and two-time Olympian, Adeline Gray. After all your years in competition, how do you stay motivated? Motivation comes and goes. I think there's a level of proficiency and consistency that you have to have by just showing up and doing your job and being a professional. Because there, there is not an overly motivated person that shows up to every single practice in, in my case, you know, I, I do my best and, and I always say it's like brushing your teeth just because you brushed your teeth this morning doesn't mean you can't brush your teeth tonight. And, and that's the kind of digging that you have to do to find motivation to continue to do that. And one of the ways that I do it is I break it up. I figure what, uh, what do I do in my normal schedule that makes me feel just like a healthy, happy human being that I would do not for wrestling. And I do those things. And then I take the extra stuff, the the extra practices, the extra sprints, the extra wrestling that I have to do and add that in. And it turns out that my base life of things I would just do to be happy makes me a pretty darn good athlete because there's only about 20 or 30% effort that I have to apply for wrestling for me to be able to show up and be the athlete that I am on the mat. And that's a, a pretty cool feeling to know that. And it took a lot of time for me to figure out those steps but it's been a, a healthy process for me to realize that not everything I do is for wrestling. Uh, and then it makes it easier to dedicate that effort to those moments that, that really are hard and challenging to what I think what most people see as our, our day-to-day grind. Hmm. Now you just became a mother to twins. Congratulations. How do you balance your life as a mother of twins, a husband in the military, and your life as an elite athlete? Yeah, I hired help. I mean, I don't think this would be possible without the flexibility of uh, being able to have an extra set of hands around. Um, I have a, a nanny or an au pair that lives with us and can provide 45 hours of of scheduling and, and child care for for me and to help me and my husband uh, balance our careers because we both work full time and my job requires a lot of travel. And uh, there are times when the au pair comes with me and travels with the babies with me. And sometimes she stays home alone with the babies and <laughs> my husband's traveling because of his job. And so there's a lot of ebb and flow where we are scheduling and, and uh, figuring out how to make sure that the kids are taken care of, how each of our careers are getting taken care of. It's a lot of paperwork and scheduling for sure. Women's wrestling continues to be one of the growing sports in the world. Uh, what is good about the sport right now? What still needs to change? I think there's been a lot of positive steps for wrestling. I think we're figuring out the weight cut thing. I see a lot more athletes wrestling closer to their natural weights and weights where they don't have to focus on the weight cut, but they get to focus on wrestling. 
Um, I also see some positive momentum for women. I, mean, I think that's the biggest thing that's affecting um, my gender right now is the the budding opportunities for women at the elite levels. I mean, even in my career, we've gone from having four-week classes to six at the Olympics. We are seeing colleges and universities adding more and more programs, giving women opportunities to go and get their education and to, and to wrestle on teams. I mean, you're seeing little girl programs that are just flourishing and giving these young women opportunities to learn how to be athletic and move their body and to be strong and to be physical and, and challenge themselves in different ways that we haven't been challenged in, in previous generations. And so I think it's building like from a biology standpoint, bone density in women that we have never seen before. It's building confidence and strength that is a, a very good thing for, I think, humanity for us to figure out how to do hard things and and feel good about them. Hmm. Now, tell my listeners about your signature shoe. In, I think it was 2016, ASICS came out with a limited edition signature shoe and they created the, I think it was the Rulon and now the Aggressor line came out with a, a couple um, different styles of a Adeline Gray shoe and they uh, are really comfortable. So I love them. <laughs> nice. Now you have less than a year until the Paris Olympics. How hard are you training for it? I am sticking to the plan right now. I think that that is something that a lot of people fall into a trap of, of just because the Olympics are coming up, they train harder. Um, I've been training hard and I think you lead to overtraining if you try to divert from the plan and do more at this point. And so it is, it's challenging not to just dive in and try to do more and try to get 1% better every single day. But I, me showing up happy and healthy is going to be the best possible version of of me out there on the mat and a possibility for me to walk away with a gold medal. And so I am committed to what I've been doing and I'm doing it well and just uh, going to stick to that plan of, of training the correct amount. All right. For young women listening to the show right now who might be interested in getting into the sport, you must be probably the best person to ask this question. So what advice would you give them? I'd say to a young woman who wants to go out and try wrestling, if you can go find a, a partner, a female partner that is close to your size and go try out together. I think it's really intimidating sometimes to go out there and try like by, by yourself. I had my cousin who was on the team. And so I felt like I had a built-in little training partner, but if you can't find somebody also know that wrestling's a no cut sport in a lot of, a lot of schools. And so they can't kick you out. And so you get to go in there and keep trying and keep failing and try again. And it's a very forgiving room when it comes to just getting better and improving. And so I think that's a, a place that a lot of women can thrive in is being able to fall down and get up and and then realize that they didn't fall down the next week in that same position and, and continue to grow and, and adjust. And so I, I think uh, just giving yourself a chance. And, and I think definitely the people who think to themselves, maybe this isn't for me. I think those are the people I want to challenge a little bit and, and really think about it because my, um, I had a sister growing up that we always kind of looked at her and was like, oh, wrestling's not really for you. And then she ended up joining the military and now she's a pilot in the Air Force. And she was at the Air Force Academy doing a, um, a combatives class and she ended up winning the class. And she called me and she's like, why did you never encourage me to wrestle? 
I was like, oh, we always just thought that, you know, like you were too girly for it or you didn't have, you know, the toughness for it. And she was like, I think I would have been really great at it. And it was kind of, it hurt my heart because I, I feel like I abdicate for a lot of women to go out and try wrestling. And I didn't think about asking my own sister. And so I, I now want to just let little girls know and, and young women know that this sport can be for you. And I want you to give it a chance. In all your years in competition, and we're talking about since the very beginning, what would you say would be the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? My biggest challenge has been some injuries. I think just uh, either some overtraining that led to some injuries or just the body breaks sometimes and having to figure out how to put it back together and, and realizing that sometimes it'll never be the same and that's okay. And coming to that realization that, uh, you can still work with this new body and especially the transition of becoming a mom and having my body go through that transition of growing two humans and birthing them and taking care of them for, you know, a long period of time of with just my body was a, a unique experience and, and taught me that the body can be different and still be great. And, you know, going through a knee injury early on in my career and not having my knee ever fully feel like I would, it was healed and still being able to create a resume that you read off before. My, my knee was good enough to win. It was good enough to be great at wrestling, but it's not good enough if you just try to run it through an ACL rehab program. And so just having to come to terms that it's okay that the body's different. It's okay that there's some pain and discomfort, but there still can be strength. There still can be goals that can be reached, even though there, there is a, um, a change that happened to the body. Okay. Pierre de Coupetan said the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. You get a chance to talk to your younger self. What would you say to her? I think I would tell myself not to stress so much about what is going to happen. I think I spent a lot of time worrying when I hurt my arm or bum, you know, had to miss out of out on practice or have to adjust to a new coach or just all the changes that kind of happen within our lives and within our sport. I think there was just a lot of stress that I would sit there and, and worry about it and be concerned and, and not just kind of like go with the flow. Cause I think there's so many moments that I made bigger in my head and worried and stressed about and that didn't need to be and never even came to fruition and never, never needed to be worried about to the point where I lost sleep over them. And so I, I think I would encourage myself to do uh, just be a little bit less stressed about some of the unknowns. All right. So aside from the Paris Olympics, what's next for Adeline? I think I'm just enjoying this year where my husband and I are in Southern California. And so we're enjoying getting to be close to an ocean and my kids get to play outside in the middle of the winter and just kind of uh, crafting this life of, of trying to balance my workouts and being a mom and, and figuring out all of the, the pieces that kind of go together and um, just uh, enjoying kind of this process that we're in. Okay. As we enter the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question. Adeline, what do you like to do for fun? How do you like to relax? Um, I'm an avid card player, but recently we've been uh, playing dominoes, uh, Mexican train dominoes, and they've been really fun. And I, I've been losing a lot, and I think I just won. Like I'm on a win streak right now, so it's been really nice to 
play a couple different games. We've been playing Canasta and Dominoes. And I think in the last two weeks, I've won like three different like grand series of the games. So I, I feel good. Like I've figured out my, my techniques for the games right now. Is that kind of because you have a husband in the military that you play Dominoes? He actually plays a different type of Dominoes. This was a game that a friend taught us, uh, but he, he does like Dominoes and has played on deployment. So yeah, that's... It, it, easy to talk him into this <laughs> yeah when i was in the military and i used to deploy that was our number one game was dominoes that's why i was kind of yeah. asking so okay all right what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online the best way to follow me online is uh instagram is the one i use the most my name at adeline gray a-b-e-l-i-n-e-g-r-a-y um and i am on x twitter and uh facebook uh, but Instagram is the one that I post the most and it's going to be an exciting year. I have two babies that are going to turn two. I have uh, the Olympic trials coming up in just a couple of weeks. I leave for Pan Ams next week. It's just, there's a, a lot of big things coming up and uh, I'm looking forward to a big year with a lot of special moments in it. All right. I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth? What a great question. I would say follow women's sports, be a fan, go out and find some amazing women who are doing amazing things. Um, if you don't know where to start, Team USA is a great place to start. I think that there is a opportunity to fall in love and invest in women in sport. And it's going to help our world be a better place if we can keep young girls learning and developing and challenging themselves within the sport world and and then creating the joy and commitment that we have to the Super Bowl and the NFL and all the men's pro leagues. If we can get that that equality and equity within women's sports, it'll it'll change our world for the better. All right. Adeline, you're an inspiration for millions of women in this world. And I want to wish you all the best as you go forward in your career. And when you get that gold medal, I invite you back on this show to tell us about that Olympic glory, because I know you've got an entire country in your corner. Okay. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the time. And uh, thank you for, for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. And best of luck to you. Okay. Thank you. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 230. I want to thank Adeline for taking the time of her incredibly busy schedule to come on the show and speak with me. What an incredible woman, and she is a truly an inspiration to millions. Adeline, good luck in the Olympics, and you are welcome back on the show anytime. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. We drop our episodes on Mondays and Thursdays, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for those episodes to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have. So please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up today for new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, please drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the Amazing Tea Public. The Derek Duvall Show is a great little store on there with everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner at the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taking our store on Tea Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, I have really been enjoying my Sennheiser HD 600 headphones of late. There is nothing quite like listening to your music at the highest level with audiophile headphones. Last night, I listened to the entire Porcupine Tree Fear of a Blank Planet album, and man, oh man, it was like listening to it for the first time. If you had the financial means, 
and I mean it, don't break yourself financially. I highly advise you to get yourself a pair of these headphones. You will not regret it. No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.